All right now, you're listening to the Real Texas Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Bronin, just a fed up taxpayer bringing you all of your Texas local and national news. Welcome to the Real Texas Radio Podcast. I am your host, Bronin, and this is episode number 51. And voters across the state of Texas are heading to the polls this week if they're early voting. And of course, the mail-in voting, I suppose there are many taking advantage of that scam. Oh, excuse me. I mean, opportunity. But I wanted to point out that over the weekend on Sunday, the Dallas Morning News, which is hardly a bastion of Republican thought, came out and endorsed Governor Greg Abbott, the Republican incumbent, for a third term over Beto O'Rourke, better known as Robert Francis O'Rourke. I believe that's what appears on his birth certificate. But in their editorial endorsement, the Dallas Morning News included a few gems that I wanted to note. So many on the left reflexively condemned Abbott's Operation Lone Star that devoted billions in state dollars to sending state law enforcement and military to the border. While there have been concerns about the program, it was a response to a genuine failure by the federal government to enforce border security. And by federal government, of course, the Dallas Morning News is referring to the Biden administration, which this year has allowed a record amount of illegal immigration to occur. You might say has encouraged a record amount of illegal immigration to occur. And even the Dallas Morning News is pointing to that as a major failure. And the article continues, and while his decision, Greg Abbott's decision, to bus migrants who volunteered to large self-defined sanctuary cities in the North was a stunt, it was not the cruel treatment that it was portrayed as, and it did raise awareness about a true crisis. So many in the left decried the decision by Governor Greg Abbott, Governor DeSantis, and the governor of Arizona to bus or fly migrants out of the southern border states into the northern sanctuary cities, Chicago, Washington, D.C., parts of Massachusetts, and New York City, as human rights abuses that need to be prosecuted. And here the Dallas Morning News is coming out in support of that move. Listen to what they have to say about Robert Francis, so-called Beto O'Rourke, or self-styled Beto O'Rourke. Abbott's opponent, Democrat Beto O'Rourke, 50, continues to demonstrate that he is an effective campaigner who is willing to go into solidly red parts of this state to try to sway voters. His openness is appealing in contrast to Abbott's insularity. But after all those years of campaigning for the Senate, for president, and now for governor, and they didn't mention Congress, it's still unclear how O'Rourke would lead. 
he seems to shift with the moment and the audience. If, if he was a Republican, that's known as flip-flopping, but only Republicans flip-flop. If you're a Democrat, you can evolve, or in this case, you can shift. While he uses moderating language, many of his root ideas flow from progressive ideology, from eliminating the star test to his statement on the campaign trail that sending state troopers and guardsmen to the border was a solution in search of a problem. We know that uh, many on the left, they, they have come to hate any kind of standardized tests that show how everybody performs. Basically, they, they line up every student and, and it shows how they perform and it just pits students in one city or town against another. And, and obviously the SATs and the ACTs and any other kinds of entrance exams the left have come to hate. In any case, there you have it. The Dallas Morning News coming out for Governor Greg Abbott. I, I figured, I don't know, they might just stay silent on the issue than rather have to back a Republican like that. You know, I wish they'd come out in favor of Lauren Davis in the same way. The GOP, the Republicans, they have been feeling pretty good these last few weeks of the campaign cycle for the midterms, for governor's races, for congressional seats, even in the Senate. And you know what? I'm a pragmatist here. I'm not going to make any grandiose predictions. If you remember back in 2012, Fox News was predicting that Mitt Romney was going to win in a landslide and that there was going to be another big red wave. And that, you know how that turned out. Not very well. So I, I'm not going to go ahead and make any predictions. Polling, it has been uh, terrible for the past decade or more. And it's just very hard to get reliable polling data. You can't trust any polling that comes in over the internet. You've got to do the traditional phone calls. And so many people are loath to speak to a pollster over the phone. And a lot of Republicans obviously have to hide their views or risk being ostracized socially or at work. And, and so they just aren't going to speak to a pollster. And, you know, there's still a bit of time before Election Day, even though a lot of ballots, by the time you're listening to this podcast, are already going to be cast millions around the country. But even the Dallas Observer, an ultra liberal website and publication, they have an article published recently titled, As the Dallas County Judge Race Gets Personal, Could a Surprise Be Coming on Election Day? You know what? I hope so. I, I hope so. I think possibly more than anybody, we have got to get rid of this COVID hoax, phony scammer, this bishop in the Church of Covetology, Clay Jenkins, the terrible, horrible Speaking of bad, terrible, horrible politicians, over the weekend, the Washington Post printed an article about the Biden administration, and they titled it, Inside the Successes, Missteps, and Failures of Biden's Early Presidency. If you are struggling to think of any successes from the Biden administration, the Washington Post article attempts to name a few, but if you're scratching your head as to what they could be, well, you're not alone. So I'll read a little bit from this article. I got quite a few 
chuckles out of it. President Biden gathered his advisors with mounting frustration as televised images and classified cables tracked in real time the unraveling of his long-planned withdrawal from Afghanistan. So that's right. If, if you don't think that the Biden administration's COVID position disaster isn't enough to eject this person from office, Remember Afghanistan from last summer? Yeah, probably not. I think it's faded from most Americans' minds. Even fellow Democrats, friends he had known for years, had begun to criticize the chaotic withdrawal, the frenzied mobs at the airport, the desperate Afghans clinging to planes, and he didn't understand why they weren't appearing on television to defend him and his decision. Call them. Call their offices, an exasperated Biden ordered his aides in August 2021, according to someone familiar with the president's demand. See why they're not out there. What the president did not understand was that the problem was not a lack of television bookers. The problem instead was that most of his allies were unwilling to publicly defend him against the images from overseas. Just months earlier, Biden had been riding high, predicting a summer of freedom, a summer of joy. His approval ratings hovered in the mid-50s. The coronavirus was in retreat and economic expectations were rising. Now, in, in the summer of 2021, you might forget, this preceded the winter of 2021, 2022, winter of death. Remember that? The winter of death. Yeah, this article doesn't mention that. But Biden, if you recall, was hectoring us maybe 10 months ago now, those of us who are uncrapsinated for contributing to death and disease spread. Now, with the Delta variant spreading, staff were once again wearing masks in the White House. Remember the Delta variant? I don't. It's so hard to keep up. Delta, Omicron, the original, who knows what's going on now. I'm sure there's a strain, though, in, in discussion. Now with the Delta variant spreading, staff were once again wearing masks at the White House. They, aren't they still? Have they ever taken the masks off? Will they ever, so long as a Democrat is in place? Inflation was proving less transitory than the administration had insisted. The legislative gears were grinding to a halt amid Democratic infighting. Americans in the country's longest war were dying once again undermining Biden's signature promise of strong, steady, stable leadership in contrast to former President Donald Trump, and Biden felt isolated. That's when the S hit the fan, recalled a person who was part of the response. That was the beginning of the darkness. The story of Biden's first term so far is a roller coaster, complicated and contradictory, with remarkable achievements Again, if you're struggling to think of one, you're not alone. And enormous disappointment. Now, I'll stop you right there. We could go on. His administration oversaw the most successful vaccine rollout in history. I'll read that again. The most successful vaccine rollout in history. This vaccine that now you've taken the fourth one, those of you who are true believers, and it, it doesn't work. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't stop you from getting sick. It doesn't stop you from spreading it to other people. It doesn't stop you from getting the disease again, the, the big hoax fraud. 
but it, it's touted as the first achievement in his list of apparently many achievements. So the vaccine rollout ushering in a post-pandemic sense of normalcy. Yet the country is gearing up for some new worrisome variants as it heads into winter. Oh, do you know what else this article skipped right over? The Republican federal judge who Donald Trump appointed, who struck down the mask mandates, which were still in effect for air travelers as late as the spring of 2022. So if that wasn't contributing to what you believe is a sense of normalcy, well, I can empathize. So then after the federal judge, the Trump appointee struck down the unconstitutional mandate that required passengers to wear masks on airplanes two years after the COVID scam had launched. And now apparently after the most successful vaccine rollout ever in the history of mankind, the Biden administration, if they could have, they, they would have reinstated that same mask mandate as quick as possible. They thought about pressing it in the courts or going through the whatever channels possible to force that onto Americans. Again, th this was such a headache. There were all kinds of fights and bad behavior and arguments going on with flight attendants and passengers. People were so angry. And rather than having any empathy for people who didn't want to wear a mask and, God forbid, making it a personal choice, which it is now and it has been for the last six months or more, rather than do anything sensible like that, the Biden administration wanted to persecute people who were upset about having to wear a mask in what is already one of the most uncomfortable situations that a human being can be in, which is squeezed in between strangers for hours at a time. Biden, all of these Democrat governors, these Democrat mayors, these Democrats in Congress, they would have COVID forever. They would have COVID restrictions forever if they were permitted. This midterm election that is kicking off this week, November 8th, the, the Tuesday, November 8th, this is a referendum on these COVID freaks, on these COVID clergy. Governor Whitmer in Michigan, Governor Mills in Maine, politicians throughout the country, Clay Jenkins, the county judge here in Dallas, all of these people, they have got to be expelled forevermore from the government. All of these COVID freaks who inflicted nonsense on us for at least 18 months. And thank God, finally, some people started to get some sense and, and take the reins back take control over our lives again. But this whole class of COVID politicians, they have got to go. They think that you have forgotten about the nonsense they inflicted, the trouble in your lives that they created. You cannot let them think that you've forgotten. Some people closest to the president describe an administration that achieved significant victories while repeatedly running up against the limits of the federal bureaucracy. Yeah, that's code for the Constitution, 
those pesky checks and balances that Democrats would love to dispense with. A tissue-thin majority in Congress in a deeply divided nation. Aides also often fail to anticipate and plan for worst-case scenarios and regularly set expectations above what they could achieve. Wow, I, I thought that only the Donald Trump administration could be out of order and in disarray. I, I didn't know that the Biden administration, that a Democrat administration could also suffer from any kind of confusion or disorganization. Biden and his team were elected on the promise of a new era of competent governance. Competent governance. Did, did anybody vote for Joe Biden because of competence of the 20 plus candidates that were in the field, you picked out Joe Biden for his competence. Okay. I, th this is not a satirical piece, I promise. Only to find that the most rigorous science and best expert advice could not protect the country from, the, from new waves of disease and economic hardship. Biden, a tactile retail politician, tactile. Um, do you think with all of the images of Biden grabbing little girls and sniffing their hair and with accusers like Tara Reid, who's accused the president of getting a rather tactile himself with her, do you, do you really think, Washington Post, that that's the kind of adjective that you want to apply to Joe Biden? Anyway, so Biden, a tactile retail politician, found himself stuck in a bubble, both of COVID beyond his control and insularity of his own making. Wasn't he supposed to, he, he was going to create the end of COVID? He was going to destroy COVID, perish it from the earth? The president remains surrounded by a coterie of longtime allies, most of whom have worked with him for decades. Even those with senior titles in the White House say there remains a clear stratification between Biden's trusted inner circle and the rest of the team. This portrait of Biden's presidency as it approaches the two-year mark is the result of interviews with 80 senior White House officials, cabinet secretaries, outside allies, and Democratic lawmakers and strategists. Wow, 80 people. Do you think that they chose the number 80 because that is going to be the president's age? I believe his birthday is next month, the big eight zero, our first octogenarian president. What a, what a milestone for the country. Many of whom spoke on the condition of anonymity to candidly share private details. Many of the scenes and details have not been previously reported. Ultimately, Biden achieved much of what he promised as a candidate. He appointed the first black woman to the Supreme Court amid a record pace of judicial appointees that placed more black women on appellate courts than all prior presidents combined. With the narrowest control of Congress in decades, he passed laws on COVID relief, infrastructure, climate change, manufacturing, gun regulation, and prescription drug prices, or, or as he calls them, prescription jug prices, that in most cases had spent years on Democratic wish lists. And if, if you're struggling to think of any infrastructure achievements as your heating oil for your home is skyrocketing, and, and as you just 
wiped out your savings to pay for your electricity bill if you are a resident in the state of Texas and you've gotten no relief in any of those areas and there's no relief in sight, again, I, I can empathize with you. I'm skipping around in the article here. It is lengthy and a, a lot of it is just diatribe propaganda trying to prop up the Biden administration. So Pfizer BioNTech announced after the 2020 elections that their vaccine, better known as the crap scene, was more than 90% effective at preventing infection. Weeks later, Moderna announced over 94% efficacy at preventing infection. Remember those figures? Remember when the vaccine was the, the miracle from God? It was a providence. Remember all that? And now, after you've had your third or fourth booster, whatever number we're on, now its effectiveness rate hovers around 0%. And yet, the Biden administration and, of course, the drug companies still continue to push it as something that everybody should be getting, including young children. Nearly everything the president and his scientific advisors assumed for the next six months hinged on those numbers, even though it would become clear that summer that the vaccines, though highly effective at stopping death and hospitalization, yeah, right, did a far worse job of blocking infection than originally expected as potency waned and new, more transmissible variants emerged. So the, the big hoax that was created to, to stop the original hoax, it, di it didn't work out, did it? Still, the political imperative remained as the July 4th celebration drew closer. Biden flagged to his staff that they needed to add some caveats to his remarks echoing the warnings he had been issuing about potential variants in the weeks prior. His top advisors worked to scale back the tone, cutting several overly triumphant lines and added some fine print with cautions such as COVID-19 has not been vanquished. But the event went on as planned. This is talking about the big 4th of July celebration that was supposed to mark the end of COVID officially. And the message delivered was ultimately one of victory. We are emerging from the darkness, Biden declared in remarks titled in part, Independence from COVID-19. This is just a few months, again, as a reminder, just a few months before the winter of death. So after he's saying that we're emerging from the darkness, then he goes in November or December to deliver remarks warning us deplorables who haven't been vaccinated that we're going to be responsible for killing grandmothers and nurses even more than we already were responsible for. Just three weeks later, spurred in part by the Delta outbreak among a highly vaccinated population in Provincetown, Mass., the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommended that even fully vaccinated people wear masks indoors. You know what? I, I can tell you the the least of concerns in respect to an outbreak in Provincetown, Massachusetts is COVID-19. 62% of the nation approved of how Biden was handling the coronavirus pandemic in late June, shortly before he gave his speech, but that number fell 
10 percentage points to 52% approval in late August and September and to 47% by November, dragging down his overall rating, according to Washington Post ABC News polling. You know what? Another point that the Washington Post doesn't like to point out in this article is that Biden's approval rating is it's been below Trump's who wasn't he the worst not only the worst president we've ever had but possibly the worst person to ever appear on planet earth and and yet Biden who was the most popularly elected person right didn't he get how many more millions of votes than Trump how many more millions of votes than Obama record 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 votes right and yet he remains much less popular than many other presidents, including Donald Trump. The article, it's too long to cover it all in one episode. I don't want to bore you too much. But I did want to read these last couple of lines. Again, this isn't satire, but bear with me. So this is in reference to the supply chain issues, which have also plagued the Brandon administration. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg recalled watching as Biden worked to mitigate supply chain disruptions. The president, Buttigieg said, simultaneously requested highly detailed and tactical updates about ports and private delivery companies, while also repeatedly asking about the impact on Americans. You know what? The Washington Post, they'll always throw in little nuggets like that from cabinet members or advisors. Other news sources do it as well. And as if we believe that Biden, dementia-addled that he is, has any ability to be able to engage in any of the issues plaguing the country in a meaningful way. He cannot deliver a speech anymore. And you know what? They they used to try to say that he was born with a speech impediment or that he developed it as a kid and that if you said anything about his speech, that you were being a bigot. But you know what? You go back and look at him debate Paul Ryan in the vice presidential debate. That was back in 2012. And the, you know what? There was no evidence or I, I didn't see any evidence of mental competence by many reports, Biden came out the victor. He is completely different now, a decade later. He is completely dementia-addled. How many articles have you read about Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, on death's doornail, that he has stomach cancer, that he has Parkinson's, that he has just gone completely mad, and that is driving all of his actions in respect to the Ukraine war. How many articles have you read about that and speculation about Vladimir Putin's mental health? You cannot mention Joe Biden's mental health here. Yet there are Democrat surrogates out there all the time. They take any chance they can get to reiterate the strength of Joe Biden's mental capacity as if we believe that. And you know what? Pete Buttigieg, just like everybody else in the cabinet or any, any other senator, thinks they're going to be president one day soon. And so they, Pete Buttigieg, they had to get him in this article on the record pretending that he thinks his boss 
has any brain matter left. Kamala Harris, the vice president, on the other hand, this article, they throw her right under the bus. But if you want to read the rest of it, again, for a chuckle, it's called Inside the Successes, Missteps, and Failures of Biden's Early Presidency. It appeared in the Washington Post. Anyway, I am Bronin. Thank you for listening to the Real Texas Radio podcast, and I will catch you on the next episode.